This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, When All Has Been Heard, in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Good morning, everyone. Were you blessed this morning with a devotional thought? Hopefully you were challenged, hopefully your blood has been stirred a bit, and you're ready to learn, to listen, and to go out and do something for the Lord. Amen? Well, my name is Pastor Cameron DeVazier, and uh, I am a co-presenter in this seminar session with Elder Ted Wilson, who is the president of the General Conference, and was mentioned last night, um, my father-in-law. I have no problem saying he is my favorite father-in-law. I noticed he was equivocating. He gave no adjectives. He just said son-in-law. I'm sure he implied favorite, but we won't get into it. Um, but as president of the General Conference, obviously there is an initiative going on right now called the Total Member Involvement Program, and uh, we're blessed to have Elder Wilson here out of his busy schedule to be able to present s some of where this initiative came from, what its aims and objectives are, and more importantly for our purposes, how we as young people, and I say we, I'm identifying with you still, as young people, whether we're in full-time ministry or just supporting lay ministry, can be part of that Total Member Involvement revolution that needs to happen in the Seventh Adventist Church. So the format of this morning's session will be very simple. I'm introducing right now, getting the ball rolling, and we're going to have a word of prayer, and then I'm going to turn the time over to Elder Wilson and let him speak to you about the General Conference's Total Member Involvement Initiative. The next session is going to be our Q&A. We're going to have more dialogue-based kind of a presentation, and then the rest of the time we're going to be looking at practical ways uh, that people can be involved in their local church. We're going to look at what does involvement mean, what are some very practical ways that you can be a part of this movement that is the Seventh Adventist Church. So before we do any further discussions, uh, let's just bow our heads briefly for a word of prayer, and then we'll be off to the races. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so, so much for another day of life at all. I thank you for the opportunity to be together at this GYC convention. What a blessing it has already been, and we're just getting started. And now, Lord, in this particular seminar series and in this specific session, I would ask that you would speak to us today. Please bless our time together. Bless Elder Wilson as he gives us not only information, but hopefully inspiration that we can each have a part in your work. We know that the time is coming soon when Jesus will come, but Lord, by your grace and our humble efforts, let soon be sooner. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Elder Wilson, if you would please come and share with us about total member involvement. Good morning to each of you. What a privilege it is to be here with you and to share some thoughts about a very important aspect of church life. This morning, our worship really focused in on God's power in our lives, and it was powerful. It was very direct. Uh, that very 
impressive text, which is one of my favorites in the book of Jude, which only has one chapter. Uh, that powerful 24th and 25th verse really brings to light the power of Christ's righteousness in his justifying and sanctifying power. And that was a real blessing this morning to hear those words. Total member involvement comes out of a relationship that you have with Jesus. If it doesn't, you really have no basis upon which to share anything. Now, in essence, God has always wanted his people to witness. As you look back in the Old Testament, even from the very beginning, Enoch, Enoch was mentioned this morning as Pastor Skeet was sharing about the genealogy. Enoch, we are told, went into the cities to witness and then went from the cities out of the cities back into a rural environment to recharge his batteries. But he didn't forget the cities. He went back again. God has an intention for all of us to do something for him in witnessing to his mighty power. Now, what we're going to do this morning for the next 30 minutes, 35 minutes, 40 minutes, will be simply to look at some of the experiences of the church and how things are developing with total member involvement, TMI, and then listen to a personal testimony of a good friend of mine who comes from Alaska and who will be sharing what a simple outreach activity has done to touch the lives of hundreds of people. And then uh, Cameron and I will just chat a little bit, uh, maybe some questions about what are practical things. He's going to be talking the rest of the week. I hope you're going to be here to listen and to interact on some of these wonderful aspects of what does it mean to be totally involved for God. And if you have any questions or comments or suggestions, we'll close out our one hour that we have. We need to end at about 10.15, which is now uh, about 50 minutes or so from now. When we think about how God used the Israelites in the past, they were to be placed and were placed at the very crossroads of the geogra geographical setting of the then known world. I grew up in Cairo, Egypt. I love the Middle East. I love the people of the Middle East. And let no one ever tell you that the people in the Middle East, by and large, are all terrorists. They are not. They are lovely, wonderful people just like you are. They love their families, they love culture, they love life, and they love God. The Middle East in that day was the crossroads and essentially the world itself. Israel was placed right at the very point where they would have an opportunity 
to witness in an incredible way. Unfortunately, as you know, and as I know, as we look at Scripture, we understand they failed miserably. At certain times, they were able to share, but most of the time they failed because they looked inwardly. The Seventh-day Adventist Church has been given an unusual mandate to proclaim the three angels' messages in particular, and the fourth angel of Revelation 18, come out of her, my people, join God's remnant church, turn back to the true worship of God, a unique message which has been given to the Seventh-day Adventist Church. But as we learned this morning, things around us tend to create a false impression as to what reality really is, and many Seventh-day Adventists today hardly even want to mention their name. In fact, some churches within our system give themselves other names. We want to be friendly to people, they say. We want to not in any way prejudice someone. Now, I believe that's a good approach. You need to be diplomatic, you need to be loving, you need to be kind. But even in the very choice of the name, Ellen White realized this would be a tremendous sermon in itself. So you don't hide who you are. You are to say, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, and let me tell you about it. With a smile, not with a frown. The Seventh-day Adventist Church is in the same potential state of ancient Israel, and if we are not careful, we will be looking inwardly rather than looking out and proclaiming. When you start to look inward, you will stop growing. So the Israelites failed in what God had intended. Joel chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, Old Testament, New Testament, wonderful examples of what God intended and intends to do in his church. Where young men, young women, all people, old people, young people, children, doesn't matter who you are, are to proclaim God's word. It has nothing to do with being an ordained minister to the gospel. Now, as we're going to find out, and as you're going to find out over the course of the next two, three days, and uh, Cameron's going to explain to you um, how it is that only in the last few years has he really understood what it means for him as a pastor to be involved with church members in helping them to truly understand what their role is. In the same way, God intends for all of us to understand that there never was to be a professional group of people who did all the professional kinds of work that are church-related, and then there are the members. This was not God's plan. No longer can we have the attitude. And let me tell you, it is not 
the attitude in many parts of the world, but in some parts, mostly the affluent parts. Where church membership, and I'm not condemning you or implying that you have that same thought, but many places say, okay, I'm a professional, I went to school, I made my way, I make good money, I come to church, I pay, you work. That day has to disappear. All of us are joined together, and in a few moments I will share with you a powerful quotation from Volume 7 that gives us our marching orders on that. Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 15, very familiar to many of you, does not mean only professional preachers. And in fact, it doesn't even have to be a professional public speaker. Paul's saying, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How will they call if they haven't believed? How are they going to believe if they haven't heard? How are they going to hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? All of us within the Adventist church are sent. And if you refuse to accept that commission to be sent, you will wither. It's like the Dead Sea. Not long ago, Nancy and I had the privilege of visiting the Dead Sea. It was about eight, eight months ago. And you can sit in the Dead Sea. You can read a newspaper, a book, if you can get it into your hands without getting it wet, because it is a little bit slimy and muddy around the Dead Sea, but you can sit in the Dead Sea and you can read a newspaper and not move a muscle and you will not sink. It's amazing. And why is that? Because it is the lowest place on the earth, above, well, not including the depths of the sea, but the lowest place where water all flows in and nothing flows out. And so the saline and other chemical contents are so high that it creates a natural buoyancy for you. The Dead Sea is dead. Nothing lives there because everything flows in and nothing flows out. So for total member involvement, you must have this in and out aspect. You are sent so that someone can hear, so someone can believe, so they can call on the name of the Lord. The New Testament church grew daily because they were in fellowship together. They were active. They were participating in the outreach of the church. It wasn't just the professionals. It wasn't just Peter Everybody was involved. They held things in common. It means they were together in everything. Ephesians chapter 2, that marvelous explanation by Paul regarding the church itself. It says, Now therefore we're not strangers or foreigners and fellow citizens with the saints, 
and we're members of the household of God having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. There is growth in God's church. Total member involvement is not just some interesting little byline that we have cooked up in some committee. It is an eternal principle. Everyone involved, if you want to grow. If you don't want to grow and you want to die, don't be involved. It's that simple. The Gospel Commission, Matthew 28, is for all to proclaim. The three angels' messages are for all to proclaim, and it's all built on our relationship with Christ, on revival and reformation. Mission to the cities. When you look out at this enormous city of Houston, almost seems endless because it's in a very flat area. How are we going to ever reach the people of Houston? How are you going to reach the cities from where you come from? Except that you feel the burden of being sent and of doing something for the Lord. Using comprehensive health ministry, mission, uh, medical missionary work, reaching out to people, touching lives. In a few moments, I'm going to read to you a statement which I have put together about total member involvement and all that is involved in TMI. Not, ju not just public evangelism or even personal uh, Bible studies, but many, many other things. Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 2, Paul says that we're all really letters that are read by people. Now let me read to you a particular quotation from the Spirit of Prophecy, which is so meaningful to our discussion and to what total member involvement is really all about. Before I do that, I want to read a particular quotation from Steps to Christ, and it is in page 81. The Church of Christ is God's appointed agency for the salvation of men. Its mission is to carry the gospel to the world. Now, it doesn't say paid clergy. It doesn't say employees of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. It's talking about the Church of Christ, which is all of us. And the obligation rests upon all Christians. Everyone, to the extent of his talent and opportunity, is to fulfill the Savior's commission. The love of Christ revealed to us makes us debtors to all who know him not. God has given us light not for ourselves alone, but to shed upon them. Total member involvement. Everybody doing something for Jesus. Now listen to very explicit counsel in Testimonies, Volume 9. It's on pages 116 and 117. It's under a section called Methods of Labor and a subheading <clears throat> of Plans for Enlarging Our Laboring Forces. This is really fascinating, so bear with me as I read because it is so interesting. The strength of an army is measured largely by the efficiency of the men in its ranks, in the ranks. So 
It's not talking about the generals now. It's talking about the people. A wise general instructs his officers to train every soldier for active service. I mean, you can be a mighty general. You can have the brightest plans. If you don't have the people and the capacity to carry it out, you're a nothing. He, that's the general or his officers, seeks to develop the highest efficiency on the part of all. If he were to depend on his officers alone, he could never expect to conduct a successful campaign. He counts on loyal and untiring service from every man in his army. The responsibility rests largely upon the men in the ranks. Now that's a very key statement. The men and women in the Seventh-day Adventist Church are the ones who are to do the work in person-to-person -person activity. You can't count on the pastor to do all of that. It was never the intention. In fact, we're going to talk about the pastor in a few minutes and the concept of hovering over churches. We'll get to that in a moment. And so it is in the army of Prince Emmanuel. This is Ellen White speaking. Our general, capital G, who has never lost a battle, expects willing, faithful service from everyone who has enlisted under his banner. So if you stood up this morning and last night you committed yourself to uh, Moise's appeal, you are part of this enlisted group under the Lord's banner. In the closing controversy, now waging between the forces for good and the host of evil, he expects all, laymen as well as ministers, to take part. All who have enlisted as his soldiers are to render faithful service as minutemen. Minutemen is a reference, I think, back to the Revolutionary War where people were ready at any moment. Not professional soldiers necessarily, but they were colonialists who were wanting freedom, and they were ready at any moment to do anything for their country. So you need to be a minute man with a keen sense of the responsibility resting upon them as individuals. Now, we get to the meat of this. Those who have the spiritual oversight of the church, that means pastors, leaders, <clears throat> should devise ways and means by which an opportunity may be given to every member of the church to act some part in God's work. I'm going to tell you, and Pastor Cameron is going to tell you later, I'm sure, and the Spirit of Prophecy underlines this, the most important work of a pastor, yes, to lift the spiritual standard, the biblical truth, lift up Jesus, all of that. But the most important work is not the preaching from the pulpit every Sabbath. The most important work is to help church members know what their part is in God's work and to get them working. It says, too often in the past this has not been done. Plans have not been clearly laid and fully carried out whereby the talents of all might be employed in active service. There are but few who realize how much has been lost because of this. 
you know, this is, we're going into 2017. How much longer are we going to wait before Jesus returns? I want him to come soon. And I believe he is coming soon. But we have the opportunity to hasten his coming. Now, some people don't believe that. I believe it. The Bible tells us that. Spirit of Prophecy tells us that. The leaders, and now here is, here is the really strong counsel. The leaders in God's cause as wise generals are to lay plans for advance moves all along the line. In their planning, they are to give special study to the work that can be done by the laity for their friends and neighbors. Now get this one sentence. The work of God in this earth can never be finished until the men and women comprising our church membership rally to the work and unite their efforts with those of ministers and church officers. So the idea that, well, you know, let the evangelists do it, let the pastor do it, let the church officers do it, is not going to work. Everybody has to be involved in doing something for Jesus. That does not mean you have to stand up and make public declarations if you feel so uneasy about it. That's not what is being asked. But you have to do something for the Lord, something for Jesus. As we focus on the importance of Christ and his righteousness and that beautiful text this morning in Jude 24 and 25 includes both justification and sanctification, all being done through Christ for us and through us as we submit. As we are faithful to God and his word and the spirit of prophecy, those beautiful foundations will naturally produce total member involvement. Everybody doing something for Jesus. Now, how did TMI actually get started in the most recent rendition? An individual whom some of you may know, his name is Mike Ryan. He's been involved with a lot of mission outreach, Adventist mission and global mission, uh, a vice president of the General Conference for a number of years, and recently retired. He is still assisting my office Mike has a great, great burden for lay people to be involved. And he kept talking to me about this. He kept kind of drilling it into my thinking. And as we began to focus on how we can really help to ignite the world field, the Lord impressed us with the idea of total member involvement. Everybody doing something for Jesus. That's not a new idea. It's ageless, as we've already indicated. But to put it into an understanding in the 21st century that everybody has to be part of this movement, otherwise the movement will not come to a culminating point, was something that really gained our enthusiasm. We called Duane and Kathy McKee to work at the General Conference, and some of you know them. 
In fact, they will be here, I understand, at the end of the week, and they will be talking to you more about TMI. Duane is our Director of Sabbath School and Personal Ministries, a natural fit for total member involvement. And Kathy works in our office in presidential with social media and with evangelism coordination. Now, they have helped to blossom this particular idea worldwide. Unfortunately, some people have gotten the idea that total member involvement simply embodies public evangelism recruiting young people and different uh, lay people to go and preach evangelistic meetings. That is the furthest from the truth. It is part of it, but not the full picture. Everyone can be involved in a public expression and in a personal expression in some form. Now, I want to make a little statement here about public evangelism. In some parts of the world, primarily in Western, more affluent countries, public evangelism has become almost a bad phrase, a bad wording that really is not working. I want to make a statement, and I don't want you to misunderstand it. Public evangelism or evangelism in all of its forms, whether it's personal or public, is the lifeblood of the church. If you are not doing some form of evangelism, which is simply testifying of Jesus and inviting people to come, you will not grow, either personally or corporately. And we see in some parts of the world, the church is actually regressing it is shrinking, not necessarily because of the inactivity of our members, but because of the culture and because it is a post-Christian environment. In a, in a moment, I'll tell you about what we're going to be doing in one country that is a huge, huge challenge. I want to read you a statement. <clears throat> A, state, <clears throat> a statement that I have written, and actually we ought to try to get it to you, but you'll see it in different places. A statement about total member involvement, and we are trying to help people to see the comprehensive aspect of it. Listen to me as I read this. It's just, I, I'm sorry I don't have it up on the screen for you. Our evangelistic and missionary work for others is to increase as we come closer to Christ's soon second coming. Comprehensive evangelism outreach can take many forms, but usually culminates with some type of small group or public meeting where the Bible becomes the central focus so people's hearts can be touched with eternal truth. I want to urge all of you, wherever you come from, don't give up on a public presentation of the Word of God. It will not return to you or to God void. It will touch somebody's heart. I mean, I've spoken to tiny little groups. I can remember an evangelistic meeting that I held in Londonderry, Northern Ireland. You want a tough place to go? Try that place. In fact, we had 
two sites, one for Catholics and one for Protestants. The Catholic site we had, to begin with, maybe, I don't know, maybe 12 non-members coming. The Protestant site we had about three or four. And at the very end, we had only about three or four in the Catholic section and maybe one or two in the Protestant section. Try preaching a full message to, to one or two people. But I want to tell you something. The church now, because of a lot of other effort too, is stronger in Londonderry because God is blessing. Don't be afraid to preach even to one person. Anyway, the Holy Spirit can work in marvelous ways when the Word of God is presented in a clear, concise, and winsome manner. The timelessness and power of God's salvation story is profound. It is heaven-blessed. Now, these aren't words from the Spirit of Prophecy. These are words I made up, okay? So don't think I'm reading now from the Spirit of Prophecy. And I'm not equating anything I've written with that. But I'm just trying to tell you something. The unfolding of biblical truth is to occupy more and more of our time, and we must do that in any manner possible. Where public meetings can be held, hold them by all means. Where small groups are better positioned to touch a life, hold them. Let us lift up Christ, his righteousness, and his sanctuary service. Let us be faithful to God, his word, and his spirit of prophecy. Let us be involved in total member involvement. The secret of total member involvement includes, and here are many things now, Door-to-door visitation, Bible studies in homes, intense prayer initiatives, comprehensive health ministry outreach, distribution of Adventist literature, and you're going to hear about that in just a minute. Youth involvement, community services, ADRA activities, media outreach, social media contacts, choirs singing for the Lord, personal evangelism, public evangelism, and many more forms of evangelistic outreach. These activities involve everyone who is willing, since the Lord has asked all to participate in the proclamation of the gospel and the three angels' messages, as we see in Matthew 28:19 to 20. And then I quote that. What a privilege for each of us to do something for Jesus. You do not have to be a pastor to speak to others, either personally or publicly, about God's great plan of redemption. All church members are asked to proclaim God's final message to the world that Jesus is coming soon. You can do that personally and publicly. Total member involvement includes men, women, youth, and children in proclaiming God's truth. Laypersons are to unite with pastors and church leaders, as we are told in Testimonies, Volume 9, page 117. And then I quote that one that we just read. This is what total member involvement is all about. Everyone doing something for Jesus, including speaking for him, whether you are a lay person, a pastor, a man, a woman, a young person, or a child. May God bless in every form possible the evangelistic outreach to the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is coming soon. Everybody involved with doing something for Jesus. God never intended for pastors to hover over the churches. The Seventh-day Adventist message, when it began, had pastors who were primarily evangelists, 
who were enlarging the territory and church members were taking care of their little groups on their own. Once in a while, the past pastor would come by and encourage them. He would help to organize things, but it was an evangelistic approach. Now, because we have grown to large extents in many places, to a large group of people in particular areas, especially around institutions, we have multiple pastors at times for one church. God's, and, and they do wonderful work. Let me not disparage much of the good work that is done. But the work that God intends to see happen is to be personal work that church members are involved with. Let me tell you what happened in Rwanda. We tried a new dynamic in Rwanda to help church members realize that they were equal partners in the evangelistic outreach. Much time was spent in nurturing the church members, and we had about... Uh, we had about 700,000 church members in that little country of Rwanda. There are about 12 million people in that country, so it's a pretty good ratio of Adventists to non-members. But they were encouraged to be actively involved. They took this on like a tremendous opportunity, and they participated in a very dynamic way. They prepared the sites. They worked with people. They had choirs going out. They had uh, ADRA and community services working together. It was a dynamic thing. The same thing is happening in Romania. In about a month, I'll be there to hold evangelistic series and meetings uh, in about 2,000 sites in Romania. Now, these are just, these are public sites, but this is only the little blip that comes up every once in a while because a lot is taking place in preparation for these meetings. In Rwanda, they got so excited, they had TMI hats, they had TMI shirts, they had TMI ties, they had TMI scarves, they had all kinds of, of paraphernalia, TMI. Well, you could wear all of that, and if you actually didn't do something, you were not fulfilling TMI. But I want to tell you, they rose to the challenge. It was unbelievable. They had about 2,200 2, evangelistic sites in that small country. Three quarters of them run and proclaimed by lay people. And God blessed in such an enormous way. As I mentioned, we had over 100,000 baptisms. Unbelievable, unprecedented. What are they doing to keep them in the church? Small groups, helping organize into specific churches now, because sometimes if you join a church that's a little bit less than active, it's going to lessen your activity. It was an unbelievable experience, and now the church membership is over 800,000 in Rwanda. They are planning to do that again in Rwanda. In fact, the East Central Africa Division, based in Nairobi area, they got so excited this next year, in about two-thirds of the division, they're going to be holding meetings, 20,000 evangelistic meetings. 
by mostly lay people. Anybody can do it. If you don't have a computer and you don't have a video screen, you got paper, you can just preach. I want to tell you, it is so exciting to see what's happening. Uh, as I mentioned, in, um, in about a month, I'll be in Romania. We will have over 2,000 sites, we hope, and most of them will be run by lay people. It was really interesting. We were in the second largest city in Romania in June, trying to encourage people and uh, try to give an enthusiastic approach to this whole idea of total member involvement. And Dwayne McKee was making an appeal to people to be involved. <clears throat> and in Romania, many people are very respectful of the church, but they don't really have the concept that anyone but a pastor can do public kind of work. So Duane was making an appeal to this group of about 3,000 people or so. We had a big rally. How many of you would like to be part of this and be someone who's going to preach the Word of God? I'm talking to lay people. It was absolutely quiet. Nobody stood. It was almost embarrassing. I was getting a little uneasy. Finally, one young fellow stood. And then a young lady stood. And then pretty soon, more and more people started standing. I think about a third of the audience was standing by the time we finished. And they're going to be the ones who are going to help to spearhead this incredible opportunity in Rwanda. I mean, in Romania. I'm hoping, by God's grace, and I ask that you will pray for this, that somehow this initiative will help to spark a spiritual and evangelistic revival on the continent of Europe. God wants to see a revival in Europe. It is so secular, so materialistic. Our pastors and our church members become discouraged just trying to do outreach. But there are many wonderful things that they're doing, and God is going to bless them. But we need a revival in Europe. The next year, in 2018, uh, we have plans to hold evangelistic meetings in a similar fashion in Japan. I want to tell you, Japan is a huge challenge because there are about 126 million people in that country. Very structured society, very formal kind of society, and it is very difficult to get church members to share with others about their faith because in Japan, religious belief is a very privately held conviction. And so it's a little bit difficult to try and break into that. But in 2018, I want to tell you some miracle has taken place because we've been working on it now for a number of years. They have committed themselves to holding 100 evangelistic meetings and sites. Now, you might say 100 amongst 126 million people. What is that? I want to tell you, you have to start where you can. And a number of our pastors in Japan will be going to the Philippines to hold evangelistic meetings to get 
a kind of an enthusiastic flavor as to what they can really do. And then they're going to be helping to hold the meetings. Now, I have pushed them, and I have a prayer goal of doubling that so that in Japan we will have 200 sites. Will you please commit to praying that the leaders will be impressed to have 200 sites and to have many lay people involved with it? The next year, I personally will be holding meetings again in Calcutta in India. It's a very challenging place. We have very few Seventh-day Adventists in Calcutta. But all across India, we will be holding meetings with lay people involved. 2019 in Papua New Guinea. Now, Papua has many Seventh-day Adventists. But again, all of this is simply to enthuse people to help them realize that all of us need to work together in doing something for Jesus. Total member involvement. Now, I want to call up one of my friends here, Danny Watley. Danny, come for a moment. <clears throat> Danny is from the great state of Alaska, uh, which is, well, you've got to be up in Alaska. Maybe some of you haven't visited Alaska. Uh, they kind of look at themselves as in another world. Yep. In fact, when you are going to leave the state, I mean, it is one of the 50 states of the United States, but when you're going to leave this state, they kind of commonly say, well, are you going to the outside? Because everything beyond Alaska is outside. Outside. Or I say, we're going to America. We're going to America. All right. <laughs> Recently, and Danny lives not too far from, uh, from Anchorage, he lives in a town called Palmer, and we have a very uh, a nice church there. I was up there for camp meeting this last summer and also to attend a men's retreat that Danny helped to organize a number of years ago, and it, it still is being maintained in a very powerful way. And we go way out into the boonies, out into the woods, uh, to a very nice camp, and we focus on the Word of God, and it's just a, a very powerful kind of weekend retreat. Danny is a pilot, and he flew me to this particular site, and we had a, a, a rather exciting weekend together out there in God's nature. But Danny is a very committed Seventh-day Adventist and loves to tell people about Jesus. Now, recently, there was a movie, and of course, it's still floating around, about Desmond Doss, Hacksaw Ridge. Books were produced from remnant publications, and people were encouraged to give these books out. Now, how would this particular initiative up in that great state way up north in Alaska ever find meaning for the people who are living there? Danny, tell us what happened when you enlisted support from some of the church members in Palmer and maybe a few area churches, and what developed? Well, we, uh, we saw the opportunity. Better get up closer. Okay. We saw the opportunity to, to hand out this book. And, but at first we didn't know, well, I don't want to see a bunch of books sitting in the pastor's office for two years. We have to have a, a way to get these out. So I 
contacted the corporate offices for coming attractions theaters in, in Oregon. And they gave us permission to go inside the theater in Wasilla. They have a large theater there. And, hand, and set up a table and hand these out to the people coming out from watching the movie Hacksaw Ridge. And once we had that set up, which was really a blessing, that just, uh, the other theater chains would, they would let us come in, but they would charge $800 a night, as was not really possible. They were letting us come in for free. So once we got that set up, then I realized I, I can't really do this by myself and I don't want to do this by myself. So we started announcing in our church and our pastor sitting right there and he was very supportive and uh, helped us facilitate this and get people involved. And I started the first week, I took almost every night I was there taking people and training them. Really didn't require much training because when I would say, would you like a free copy of the book on uh, the hero of Hacksaw Ridge? Before I could even get that out, the people were taking the book from us. They were mobbing us at our table. They would basically just stand out of the way and let them take the books. So we didn't have a lot of time to talk to some of them, but some we did, you know. And so people were having a really great experience. Our church members were. In fact, they kept telling me, like, people I never would have thought of to even ask would ask me, can I come and hand out the books? And they, they did a great job, and they were having a blast doing it. So they came out with a very positive experience. And so we had the Wasilla Church and the Palmer Church involved in this, and we handed out... Uh, well, the movie just stopped last week. We handed out uh, at least 4,200 books at the theater. And that's about, when you figure that's one per couple is what we handed out, we reached 10% of the valley, 100,000 people, with just that little, just handing them out at the theater. Now, and, and so we had about 50, we had about uh, 50 people that helped us in the, in the church to hand out the books. So that's, that's quite a number of our church, but probably about, uh, I would say, about 120 adults, 150 adults, somewhere in there. So we had a good, at least a third of our adults were helping out, hand out the books. So um, it was a great experience there. Plus, another family was handing out the books on the military base. And uh, one of the chaplains uh, on the military base read the book, watched the movie, and got really excited about us and invited us into the, the base hospital. And in three and a half or four hours, they handed out 900 books. In fact, they were able to get into places in the hospital that even the people at work there couldn't go into, like the command center. And they were all over handing out the books. And then just last week, they handed out 500 books at the VA hospital. This is the easiest book I've ever used for any kind of outreach because we have credibility because the movies already are the, the Lionsgate has advertised the movie for us and this has the artwork for the movie on it so just a slight promotion for the book if you want to talk to me later about that you can but uh, that's what we did thank you Danny appreciate thank you. it sure. a simple thing that is catching people's attention and used and many church members involved in fact, I want to tell you something. I have noticed over the last, I'd say, 12 months, in giving out literature, because I keep literature in my own briefcase, and as I travel, I go different places, I will give out a glow tract or something. I have noticed there are far fewer people who refuse material today than did even just perhaps 12 months ago. It is easier to give out literature today than it ever has been. 
because people realize things are falling apart. What a time for total member involvement. Everybody doing something for Jesus. Uh, before we close here, Cameron, do you want to just come for a minute? We have about four minutes here before we're supposed to quit. Do you, to give maybe just a little promotion about what you're going to be talking about the rest of the week, why is it that the simple kind of approach of total member involvement, which is simply a catchphrase for what God has intended for us to do all along, why is it that this can help to galvanize a church, get people involved, help them to realize that this is something I need to be involved in, as opposed to sitting in the pew, being a faithful Adventist, but not being active. Okay. Um, I think that there, in the same way that there has been an unbiblical separation between the clergy and the laity when it comes to doing stuff for Christ, I think that even in our own walk with Christ, you know, Satan has a brilliant way of trying to dissect things that are supposed to be fused together, splitting a coin into a front and a back, if you could. And, and I think that he's done a brilliant job, even in our own church ranks, not with, you know, open rampant sin and this kind of thing, but to separate personal faithfulness from usefulness. So we have this idea that I can be faithful to Christ if I attend church, if I return a faithful tithe, and I don't do anything inherently bad, I'm not, you know, and remaining faithful has somehow become separated from being useful. And I think that the Lord is looking for, in fact, I know that in, in your time as General Conference President, you started off with this idea of revival and reformation. And I know that in a lot of people, from, speaking for myself and many people that are into, the idea of revival is like, oh good, I need to revive my personal spiritual life, I have a devotional life, I need to have more prayer and attend church, and it still comes back to deepening my faithfulness. But there's an element of revival and reformation, particularly, that takes us beyond mere faithfulness to usefulness. And, and I was thinking of this particular statement from the Spirit of Prophecy. You can find this in Christian Service, page 25. It was written in 1896, and Sister White says, The great outpouring of the Spirit of God, which lightens the whole earth with his glory, will not come until we have an enlightened people that know by experience what it means to be laborers together with God. When we have entire, wholehearted consecration to the service of Christ, God will recognize the fact by an outpouring of his Holy Spirit without measure. But this will not be while the largest portion of the church are not laborers together with God. So the concept being that we somehow think that we can sit still and be faithful, but no real faithfulness misses usefulness. And I think that we need to have a revival. And in the, the, the presentations that are coming up, our next session is going to be a Q&A where we're going to talk about this and many other issues. But when we get back into our uh, sessions number uh, three through six, uh, we're going to be looking at what has happened in our church. How did we become so pastor dependent and how in the world can we fix it? What is the membership supposed to do? What is my responsibility as a member? If I somehow were not a pastor and I would just go do something else, would I now be retired from ministry? Or is there an active role that every layperson not only can do but must do if we're going to see Jesus come in this generation? So we're going to look at what does involvement mean, and, and we're particularly going to look at some trying to defuzzy the language. What does involvement mean? Like really break it down to brass tacks. It's not just having your name on the books or showing up relatively regularly. 
there's a great deal more that God expects and empowers his people to do. Uh, and I think that by God's grace, you're going to see great things happen while we let him work us for his glory. Amen. I believe with all my heart that the most exciting days in the Seventh-day Adventist Church are just before us. You are going to see extraordinary things happen, and you will be part of it. Everyone doing something for Jesus. We're going to close this session with a prayer session, short prayer session, and then we'll take a few minutes and we'll come back and we're going to do question and answer approach to a lot of questions that have come in from many of you and, and many others uh, who are GYC uh, attendees. But I really want to urge upon each of you, when you go back home, don't just listen for instructions that the pastor or someone in leadership may give. Go to the pastor and say, I want to be involved. How can I best accomplish this? And in fact, here are two or three ideas that I have. If your pastor is wise, he will say, wow, let's get a few more people together and let's organize something dynamic because the Lord wants all of us involved. How many of you, as we close this little section, really do want to testify for Jesus in whatever format you feel comfortable with because the Lord will lead you into something. He'll even push you beyond what you are feeling comfortable with, but at least in the area that you're comfortable with. If you're willing to do that, would you just stand to your feet for a moment? Amen. I'm wondering if you will turn to the person next to you and uh, each of you pray a prayer of commitment that when you return, you're going to do something for Jesus in a powerful way and be part of total member involvement. We won't have a final prayer. It'll just uh, be quiet. Let's all be quiet and then be seated or you can uh, go outside for a few minutes and we'll begin about 10.30 with uh, our question and answer period. God bless each one of you. It's just a privilege to see you here wanting to know more about how you can be part of God's final last day movement in total member involvement. Please pray together. This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference when all has been heard in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.